not take much for this bus <laughs> to break this divider and to land oh in the God. river okay. and we will all die a watery death right but here's the thing like this is what you're thinking about on your ride to the office in the morning this is, this is, what, I, <laughs> this is what i think <laughs> it's a really big bus chris and a very small divider okay Welcome to the Postlight Podcast. I am Crystal Sacco, the president of Postlight, and I'm joined as always by my business partner and the CEO of Postlight, Gina Trapani. Hey, Chris. How are you today? I'm good. We were just talking about how absolutely frigid it is here in New York City. So yes. wear a coat. I don't know. Maybe that's the way to start <laughs> off this podcast. Wear a coat. Hot chocolate, marshmallows, light up a fire. <laughs> there we go. That's, those you know, we're all cozy. We're going into the weekend. Yeah, yeah, let's, we're all cozy. Yeah, let's picture our listeners in front of a wood-burning stove and <laughs> you know mugs in their hands with steam <laughs> coming up as they listen to exactly. the, the dulcet tones of the Postlight podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to kick us off today by asking you a question. Okay. And this is a little bit of a leading question. If you had to say, what is the bedrock of a client services business, like what is the most important thing that you need to think about as you do your work? What would you say it is? The, the relationship with your client and the most important thing to all relationships is trust. Trust. These, these are very like mushy answer. Like we build software for our clients. <laughs> so, you know, you right. expect me to be like, well, like the tools that we use and the best practices and the, and the level of skill set that, you know, it's actually, you can only really be productive in a partnership with our clients, a client, you know, vendor, you know, client partner relationship, if you have a great relationship. And I think that the only way to have a great relationship is that there's trust between you. Yes. And you also need trust within your team Absolutely. in order to do your best work you need to trust those that are around you trust with your customers trust with your teammates i think that trust is key to every relationship and every business especially in a client services context yeah what do you mean every relationship I think if it's a romantic relationship, if it's a business relationship, mm. if it's a, I think every kind of relationship, there has to be some trust, you know? Yeah. And sometimes when you, you know, like when you're starting a relationship with someone in this, uh, you know, in the client services context, sometimes you take like a little bit of a leap of faith, like, sure. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to vet this person. Are they credentialed? Have they been referred to me from someone that I know? Like, mm -hmm. is there a track record of doing the thing? Right. So, so you, you sort of like, all right, I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to decide to trust. So I take the express bus to, to the office. So I, li I live <laughs> and in Brooklyn. And you love it. <laughs> I do. I love it. I talk to Chris all the time. I talk to you all the time about how much I love. And if our clients at the MTA are listening, express buses. I'm making like the heart sign. Right. All the way. All the way. I live in Brooklyn. Our office is in Manhattan. And as an alternative to the subway, there are these express buses, which are interborough buses. They're these giant, giant buses. And you can get on it in Brooklyn and like within one stop be in Manhattan. And I absolutely love my express bus ride because we drive in this giant bus at very high speeds along the FDR expressway, which is on the east side of Manhattan. And it's beautiful mm -hmm. because um, it's in the morning and the sun is coming up and I'm passing like the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge and, and the water sparkling and I'm looking over at Brooklyn. And it's just this like meditative moment in the morning. I get to kind of stare out the window and prep myself for the day. And it's lovely. But I have catastrophe brain. And there's okay. a part of the FDR, which is a raised highway, that's right, you know, over the water. 
And the bus always is in the right lane. Again, a giant bulky bus in the right lane, right right on the edge of the highway. And between the bus and the East River, there is like a very small concrete (laughs) divider. Okay. 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 And so I often look out this window as we're like barreling down this giant highway and think it would not take much for this bus (laughs) to break this divider and to land oh in the God. river okay. and we will all die a watery death right but here's the thing like this is what you're thinking about on your ride to the office in the morning this is, this is what i <laughs> this is what i think it's a really big bus chris and a very small divider. okay but here's the thing right i grew up in new york city i took the local bus to high school i've been riding the subway my entire life in the morning i get on the bus i pay my fare i sit down i don't know the bus driver i don't know them right but i know the mta there's been 40 some some are years of you know i've been riding mta vehicles there's a trust i trust right <laughs> that mm-hmm. that the, the bus driver is going to keep the bus in the lane i trust that the lane isn't blocked i trust you know the car on the other side is going to just drive over the, the divider and like there's a lot of like kind of implicit trust in the world right you're just sure. like i'm gonna yeah. because i'm gonna take the risk <laughs> that this is just gonna work right some things we take for granted maybe i'm the only person on the bus thinking about the, how easy it would be for us to land in the water maybe that's just my my psychology <laughs> but, but but i but i think about a lot about that like okay you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna trust that these elevator that i get on is gonna you know my brothers and my father worked in the elevator business you, sure. you know i'm gonna trust that this elevator is gonna make it to the floor that i and that the you know the cable's not gonna break or not i got there's there's a lot of there's a lot of trust there separate sort of thread here i watched which i talked your head off about this already so i apologize you were very jazzed about this i was very jazzed about this so there's a docuseries on netflix right now i think it's called like the monster of wall street Mm -hmm. it's the bernie madoff story it's a series i would recommend it there's some cheesy you know reenactments yeah but there's some like really smart commentary from journalists etc so bernie madoff was this guy who ran this giant ponzi scheme that was really all I knew about him. I didn't think about finance or investing at the time when all this went down. Yeah, me um, too. So I, I, I sort of missed really the details of the whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the details of the whole story, the enormity of what happened. And I could talk about the enormity of what happened and how this Ponzi scheme. In my mind, I was like, this must have been a very complex and difficult con to pull off. No, 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 no. no. He just took money and he didn't do anything with it. And then he gave it to the people who were in. It's just, just a pure pyramid scheme, right? People at the top of the pyramid made money. Right. It just, there was nothing happening in the background. There was nothing happening. I mean, this is what was so staggering to me watching this show. The numbers, like the dollars that were flowing through this scheme, it is hard to wrap your brain around. I mean, it's billions of dollars that much money that he was taking in and just printing fake statements to his clients and sending them and then saying, you know, if anyone had any uh, inkling, like, can I see the the trade confirmations, Bernie, of, yeah. you know, what's going on? He would yeah. be like, listen, if you don't want to be involved, I'll give you money it. right back. No problem. Don't worry. Like, you can just take your money. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. Yeah. You don't worry about this. I'm handling things. But if you're not interested, I'll give you your money and you can be on your way. And I mean, they don't, you know, they don't go through every single client. But the impression is a lot of people were just, they backed down. They were like, okay. Keep giving yes. me the returns I'm getting, which is yes. just unbelievable. I mean, it is believable, I guess, in that people don't, you know, if they have something that is so, so good, they're like, well, I guess I don't want to, like, turn over the apple cart, so I'm just going to, like, r- keep riding it for as long as I can ride it. But 
the reality is if it's too good to be true, it probably is like there's, there's a problem, you know? And the clients who were deeply invested with him were like, you know, prisoners to these returns and feeling like, oh, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust it. It coming back to this idea of trust. It doesn't make sense. A lot of people were financial professionals. I know that consistent 10 to 15% market returns quarter over quarter, like no one else is able to do this. And I don't really know how it works, but this guy's doing it for me. So I'm going to trust him. And, And here's the thing about Madoff. I mean, no one really knows why he did what he did, but the docuseries sort of hints that like he just wanted so much to be trusted, to be loved, to be celebrated. Yes. This was a person who crafted a persona. He was just a huge figure on Wall Street. He was like the chairman of NASDAQ. Of NASDAQ. He, he, I know. I mean, he really pushed the industry. He was at the forefront of making trades electronic. I mean, there was a time, I can't even fathom this, uh, you know, as someone who, you know, just for fun dabbles in things like crypto and and online trade. Like people used to mail paper checks and get paper stock certificates when they perform trades. Trades would take a couple of weeks to complete, which is, you know, bananas to think about this in 2023. And a lot of what Madoff did was like modernize and make these things electronic. So people saw that as a, you know, he had computers and... But he cultivated this persona and he, this is the thing as a client services professional that really made such an impression on me and why I want to talk about trust on this show was that he, I think he truly like loved and cared about his clients and he wanted, they wanted him to make them rich. He wanted to make them rich. I mean, one of the interests, like fascinating in in the end and this all fell apart Madoff actually wasn't the one who made the most money in this whole scheme. Like his biggest client actually took home more money than he did. Right. right. And there was because he had built such this huge persona, this credential of himself just being this absolute magician, you know, who could just create these returns that were statistically impossible. There was no shortage of new clients. People were banging down his door. He was turning down. He was turning people away. It was like, oh, you know, who do you know? How can you get in by getting a recommendation of the, at this exclusive club, you know, that only right. a few people have access to? That's right. That's right. So he created more demand, which you, you need constant demand in order to run a successful Ponzi scheme for like whatever. I don't know what it was, like 20 years or something. It was it was a long, long time before it like fell apart. And there was just so many red flags. I mean, I, listen, I like to think this guy could have never conned me, but, you know. If I'm being honest with myself, (laughs) you know, I would want those 10 to 15% returns. I would want to think that I was so smart and so important and so exclusive that I got into his club. Right. You know, you'd figured something out that no one else could figure out. I had figured something out. He had figured something else. And I didn't know what that secret sauce was, but I was just going to trust this person because the SEC investigated this guy like multiple times and said, okay. And gave him green light. Gave him a thumbs up. All good. That little tidbit about how the SEC sent like junior analysts to look into all of this and then they came out with like a clean bill of health. That was like staggering when we were watching the show. Like, wow, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. And and how can you blame these investors, right? The, The individual investors and the institutional investors who see, you know, they look over and they're like, oh, the SEC looked into this and they were like, "Must be legit, Right. Yeah. Must be legit. Yeah. I mean, I think the takeaway is you know, trust, but verify, like you need to have your head on straight when you're thinking about something. And if something seems too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. And so you need to like, look at that. 
you need to interrogate it. So this is something that I would advise anyone working with a with a partner, with an advisor, with a client services firm like us, whether that's building software or managing your finances or, you know, building a new room on your house. If you ask the question, what you're promising isn't possible. I need you to explain to me in plain English, what exactly are you doing? Like, what is the, what are what are you doing? How does this work? If you don't get a clear answer on that, it's like, that's a, that's a red flag. That's a huge, huge red, red flag. flag. Yep. If you're never getting bad news, I mean, something, this is a mantra inside PostSite, right? Like bad news shared early is just, just news. news. Mm-hmm. Part of any partnership is having to say this, you know what? This isn't going well. Like we've got a problem and we got to sort it out, right? Like this thing that we thought we could do, we couldn't do. It doesn't sound like this person made off. He never wanted to give his clients bad news, right? The, and these right. clients were multi-million dollar and billion dollar. These were important wealthy people. He wanted to be part of their world. He just wanted them to be happy. And, you know, as a a people pleaser, I personally, I'm a people pleaser, which is, I think, part of the reason why I work in client services, but I have to really fight my people pleasing instincts. You are very good at this. Like You're like, let's run toward the uncomfortable conversations. And I'm like, I would like to jump out the window. Uh, Like, that's (laughs) like my instinct is like, I just want to say, yes, we can help you. We are here for you. And all those things are true. But then there are times where you have to draw boundaries. And you have to say, actually, this thing that you're asking for, it's not in scope. Or this thing that we thought we could ship at this date, we cannot for these reasons. It's not going to happen for these reasons. Here's what we're going to do. Like, here's the alternate plan. I know this is news that you didn't want to hear, but I have to be upfront with you, you know, the soonest as possible, right? And it sounds like he just, he never wanted to, I mean, the whole thing absolutely, it blew my mind, but I kind of get it. Like, I get it as, as somebody who, like, genuinely wants to help. I mean, like, helpers are in client services, right? Like, you want to help your clients. You have to understand that helping your clients is giving them news that they don't want to hear sometimes and telling them, you know, this is the deal. Like, this is what we're doing. This is the value I'm bringing you. This is how much, you know, the commitment I need from you and collaboration I need from you. That's just, that's a basis of really every relationship. Here are I my totally needs. Agree. Those are your needs. We're going to work together to meet them. Right. It's communication. Just like they're in personal relationships, you need to communicate about, just like you're saying, what your needs are and listen and understand what their needs are and then talk about on a regular, consistent basis how those needs are being met. Like that is, it's absolutely critical. It is the bedrock that you build any relationship, personal or business, right, on as you work with somebody. I mean, the other thing I would say is it's kind of like advice to the client services professional or anybody who's in a work context who wants to be kind of the anti-Madoff to build trust, mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. your work. Don't try to hide Super it. Don't abstract. Exactly. Use a bunch of buzzwords and, and no. acronyms. Right. Be very plain, very direct. Also, don't wait for it to be perfect. Like, I think it's a very common thing, especially when we work with people who are earlier in their career that they want to make sure that they've thought of everything and they have yes. the, you know, bulletproof 85 slide deck that they're going to walk a client through. And it's like, okay, maybe there can be a time and a place for that, but there's also a time and a place for it. Listen, this is like 25% of the way done. We just want to gut check it with you. We want to make sure that we're going in the right direction. We know that there are wings of the house that are completely not done, not even started, but we're going to put this in front of you because we want to show you. I mean, in, in our world, right, in the software world, we have a saying that we say all the time to each other, which is you can't argue with working software, right? right. If you show someone a prototype where it's like it's not done, but it's coming together and you can start to click on something, that is a tremendous asset for building 
credibility and building trust. And you're not doing anything that you wouldn't otherwise do. You're just bringing the client, you're bringing the stakeholder into your world. You're bringing them onto your side. And if you do it in a way where you're not trying to, you know, you don't have to prove yourself. Like you don't have to show off and say, look at everything we've accomplished, right? Instead, just be honest and be direct and say, here's where we are. And that can be such a tremendous trust building moment of connection because it aligns you, right? It aligns your quote unquote customer, if you want to think about it that way, and and you and your team, and you're working in the same direction rather than saying, well, I, you know, I have to make sure that I've crossed every T and dotted every I before I talk about what, what we're doing. It's maybe a little bit, not counterintuitive, but I think it's not what people reach to always, but there's tremendous power in it. Tremendous power, right? Because you're, you're showing your work, you're being open. Look, look, I'm delivering value. It's coming along. I'm proving yeah. you that I'm doing. And the thing about trust is, so in the beginning of a relationship, you know, you kind of take a leap of faith. I'm going to take what this person says at face value. Maybe I've checked their references. Maybe I have looked at their track record. And now we're in a working relationship together. And, and I think one of the interesting things about working in client services, and, and Michael Shane, our head of digital strategy, says this a lot, right? So you earn trust. Sometimes you take a leap and then you start working together and you have to earn folks' trust. And, and a lot of people start out skeptical, but most people start out like give you the benefit of the doubt and say, I believe that you're going to do what you say you're going to do, like when I board yep. the bus in the morning. But then you have to earn and re-earn. Michael always says like, we constantly have to re-earn the permission to work with our clients, right? That's right. In our line of work, we know that there's a CFO at every organization that, that we work with who scrutinizes the costs and looks at the line item for Postlight and says, what is this and what value are we getting? Is it important in our business? Probably exactly. every month, at least every yep. month when they're closing the books. We know that. So we constantly have to hustle to earn a re-earn. And there have been relationships as, you know, as relationships go. We've had relationships with clients where, you know, there was a breach. Like we messed yeah. up or they messed up, meaning like, you know, they misrepresented or something, you know, was not promised and yeah. not delivered. Right. And yep. you have to have that basis, that bedrock of trust that you earn to begin with to fall back on. And then you got to work to re-earn, right? That's right? Like there's a constant sort of, if you think about it as a bank account, right? You're like making deposit, like credibility deposits, trust deposits, we're building, you know, and then sometimes you got to withdraw when things go wrong. Because in every relationship, every real working or romantic or whatever relationship, things happen. <laughs> things go wrong, right. right? And like, what's your ability to recover from those? Exactly. And if that is out of whack, right, if you're making more withdrawals than you are deposits, then, you know, yes. something it's not going to work long term and something's got to yep. be corrected. Yeah. There were two aspects of this Madoff story that really that stuck with me. First was that he hired some software developer. This is, you know, early 2000s, right? Software wasn't like it is today. But he essentially hired a couple of software developers to build custom software, which would, you know, create trades, like trades, you know, in retrospect, that they knew were going to go right. the right way and earn what they want. And then they had these dot matrix printers mm -hmm. uh, that would print out the client statements and they would send these statements out. And one of the voiceovers, they were like, these printouts are so like no credible legitimate firm like created artifacts like this you know what i mean right, with the little holes right. on the edges and it was just there just wasn't a whole lot of information except you know this trade and almost entirely every trade you know netted gains and they, they would take their feet like and it was weird you know the first time we looked at like a made off statement we we're like this firm is huge and they're doing you know millions you know hundreds of millions of dollars in business and they're printing out this garbage artifact uh which which was just so 
like <laughs> it's just so funny to me. It was strange to me that he didn't say like let's create more believable artifacts. But that's how little he really cared about. Like he he built his up his own sort of veneer, but like the artifacts he was creating for his client, they were sort of like intentionally opaque and old school and, exactly. and just you know not yep. not legit looking. Yep. So and and these programmers, I just there was some part of me that was like, you conducted this fraud. There's no way you didn't know how this worked because you built it. But wow, you know, wrong place at the wrong time, uh, I mean, for sure. For sure. The other aspect that killed me, there was this one mathematician at maybe a competing firm, or mm-hmm. but who basically looked at Madoff's promises and returns and said, this is statistically impossible. I've run every single model. And it's funny, you know, in the docuseries, they stage it like he's in this dark room, you know, like this like nerdy dude in this dark room. Clacking away at his keyboard. Clacking away at his keyboard. And he's enraged. He's enraged that people are believing this. And also he gets this mandate, build the model based on what Madoff is doing so we can offer a similar service, right? Like his his competitors are just flummoxed. Like they don't know what he's doing. They're trying to work backwards. Yeah. And I mean, he comes to the conclusion, it can't be done. Right. So this guy's like, he can't be done. And he's enraged because no one believes him. He goes to his bosses. He goes to the SEC. In the end, he becomes the big whistleblower. But one of the takeaways for me, you know, we have situations where we're in the middle of a big project. And, you know, there are times when an engineer or designer or product manager will come to us and be like, this thing that we promised or that we say we're doing, it's not possible. And it's funny because, you know, like on one hand, it's like, oh, this person's raising a risk and we should address it and mitigate it. And there are other times you're like, is that true? Like, is this something like, let's, let's link a solutions, right? Like, like, let's, let's find the solution right. here. Like, let don't, like, let's not think about the problems. Let's think about the solutions. And it's funny because I think that this person was dealing with that. I think that his bosses were like, figure it out, man. They figured it out. Like, we should be able to figure it out. Like what, you know, and how frustrating <laughs> that can be. Right. So it's this like, when people raise risks, you know, when is it like being too worried and too problem oriented and not solution oriented, right? And when is it like, this is full on <laughs> just absolute fraud. And and we're all heading for a giant crash into the little divider and about to fall into the East River, which is basically what right. happened in the market at the right. end of the whole, right. to, to, to tie it all back. I don't know. I don't know if you thought about that at all, but I just was like, oh, the nerds like, yes, the mathematician calling it out, I know. speaking truth to power and saying this is not possible. Like that guy made a huge impression on me. I mean, the truth is, though, I think what he stumbled upon is kind of an outlier. Like, the, you know, the right. fact that this was so egregious. Yeah. I think most of the time it's a gray area, right? And it's somewhere yeah. in between where there's something that isn't right and something that does need to be looked at and you do need to go one yeah. step deeper. But also, like, most of the time there is there is a way out of the fog, you know? In yeah. this particular example, there wasn't. He was, he it was a Ponzi scheme. Unearthed, and, yeah, he unearthed a huge problem. Yeah, right, yeah that no right. one was, everybody else was almost willfully ignoring. Right. I think, though, when I think about, okay, well, how do I, what do we take away from this that allows our teams to work better with our clients? To me, yeah. it comes back to expectation setting, you know? Mm-hmm. And in the Madoff example, he had these crazy, unrealistic expectations that just got more and more banana cakes as time went on. And yes. it was all fake. Like he achieved it because it was fake. He didn't really achieve anything. Mm-hmm. When it comes to our work, I think it is about setting realistic expectations, right? With our clients. Right. And then you either meet them or exceed them. And you, you're making deposits into your trust account, you know, every single time you meet an expectation, whether it's 
you know, on a, a big milestone level that you spent four months on, or if it's a sprint that you achieved, you know, really well over a week or two. Yes. And if you are not going to meet your expectations, that's where the idea of sharing bad news early comes in and it's just news. Right. And you, right. if you think you're on track to not meet an expectation, you can actually get ahead of that too. And you can mitigate that and you can turn that. You need to embrace the vulnerability of saying, I'm in a tough spot, but I'm going to come to you. <laughs> and, right. and, and I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to say, if I messed up, I'm going to say, like, I'm concerned and I want to fix this. And this is what's going on. I'm going to just lay it out on the table. Here's what's going on. I know this Here's is more going what on. you want to hear, but this is what's happening. And we're going to fix it. Right. Yeah. Lies snowball. Lies snowball. I was watching this guy and I thought this guy was like a young kid trying to make a name for himself and started this this scheme. And then he just got caught up in this snowball of lies and omissions and fraud. And his career started rocketing and he couldn't, he couldn't he, get out. He couldn't get out. Lies and omissions and deferments and obscuring, you know, hard truths. Like we talked about this earlier this week. We had a hard conversation and it was like the longer you wait to have a hard conversation, the harder it gets. It almost gets. Exactly. I think this person got just carried away for literally decades like by his yeah. own fraud by his own lies like and and he wound up you know in jail and debt you know like i just it was it was a really bad scene and his and his family fell apart when, when i don't want to you know share a truth or when i feel like i a relationship is at risk or something happened that it was hard i, I have to just be like you got to just address that head on yeah got to just say it right because this will just snowball and get worse you're a thousand percent right. You got to avoid the snowball. Address it when it's yeah. a tiny handheld snowball <laughs> instead of like right. a boulder that's rolling down a hill. Exactly. Have you ever played the worst case scenario game? No. You know, it's not a game. But like you can also ask yourself if you have a hard conversation to have, what is the worst case scenario? And almost always it's like not that bad. Because if you play out the worst case scenario, like, oh, my partner is going to, uh, you know, have a tremendously bad reaction and leave me, or, uh, you right. know, I'm going to share this with my boss and they're going to fire me on the spot. It's like, if you really interrogate it, the likelihood of that worst case scenario actually happening is like 0.001%. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. it's almost always not going to be that bad. And so if it's helpful, you can sort of reassure yourself by saying, okay, there's fear, right? Or something that's coming from that worst case scenario, but I don't, that doesn't have to make my decision for me because that's not the most likely thing that's going to happen. Instead, that's what's right. most likely going to happen is that this is going to be the first step towards, you know, a more positive outcome having this hard yes. conversation. Yes, absolutely. I probably play worst case scenario in my head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, apparently you do it on the bus. I think, I, yeah, I think there's a difference between catastrophic thinking and worst case scenario. But I love that. Like, what am I really afraid of? Right? Like, I feel my brain seizing up right now. What is it that I'm really afraid of? And teasing that out and being like, that's actually a very unlikely outcome is a very important exercise. Yes, yeah. totally. Yes. We love having these conversations and we we actually, we have built our business on the idea that we have to speak directly and not rely on trust be constantly re-earning it. And we're never going to be the kind of firm that just says, you know, we're going to wave our hands and you don't worry about what we're doing because we're the experts. We right. are definitely the the anti-Madoff in that regard. If you're listening to this and you're thinking like, that's a dose of medicine I would like to take. Like I, you know, I've been struggling with something and I really just need someone to give it to me straight and hopefully get off on a better foot. You are a great potential Postlight client and we would love to talk to you if you hit us up at hello at postlight.com 
It is an email inbox that comes directly to Gina and me and our digital strategy team. And we have people who want to have these conversations, believe it or not. So we will talk to you. We could also just talk about, you know, the crazy reactions to the Madoff documentary. um, If you want to do that too, the email address is the same. Hello at postlight.com. Yes. If you watched it, I want to hear your take because I can't stop talking about this thing. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Gina. Talk to you soon.